Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. We've been breaking the life of Nehemiah apart and going by chapter and understanding how the life of Nehemiah prophetically is where our church is and where I see right now in the season that we are as a church. And if we will do similar things that Nehemiah did when it came to stewarding the word of God, we will also be able to do a great work like they did when it came to building the walls for the temple for the city of Jerusalem. Amen? Come on, how many of you believe that today? We get an opportunity as a body to do the Lord's work. That's what it is. You are doing God's work today. If you are a fellow Christian, if you are a believer, a born-again man and woman of God, you have now come into the place of taking what is his and doing it within our life, doing it within your family, doing it within the job, doing it in all aspects, raising your children, come on, godly marriage, all these areas within our life should mirror or reflect God within our life, amen, not just church on a Sunday, it's easy to do it then. But it's when you go home and you live your life outside of the four walls. Because we know that the church ultimately is not just a building, but it is the people of God. Now, we assemble together. We come together to praise and worship God and to bring glory to God and to be equipped for the working of the ministry that he has called us into individually and also corporately. Amen. And within that, we know that as fellow believers, we cannot do this on our own. Come on. God did not call you to be your own body. Just like a physical body has many parts, so does the body of Christ have many parts. And today, you look around you, look to your left, look to your right, look in front or behind. These people that you see, that is the body of Christ that God has called to be in a specific region and to gather and to assemble together to do the work of the ministry out of these walls. That's why it's so important that you come and you assemble. This is why it's so important that you grow and develop. Amen. We've been speaking on vision and we know that Habakkuk chapter two, and you can turn there for a moment, Habakkuk chapter two, and I'm going to be reading out of the NLT today a little bit. It says in verse 2, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets. Another translation says, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Notice that when you get godly vision, it's important how the runner hears it so that they can properly communicate it to the people. This is why it's so important that you're connected to a church where you know the runner or the person that's casting the vision is following after God. And it's not a man-made thing, but it's a God-made thing. Amen? It's so important that you're part of a church that has life and you can see the fruit and the evidence of that life in God. It's not about charisma. It's not about a personality, but it's about an anointing that bears fruit 
not only upon their life, but also upon the lives of the body. Amen? Come on. So that the runner can carry the correct message to the others. This vision is for future time. Come on. Vision affects future. Vision affects future. And it describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. Come on. How many know that the vision that God has given his church will be fulfilled? Anyone believe that? Come on, he fulfilled it when he gave Jesus, didn't he? He gave over 333 prophecies of a Messiah in the Old Testament, and Jesus Christ fulfilled every single one of them. See, God's word, as soon as it goes out, it does exactly what he counted it to do. It does exactly what he has spoken it to do. And how many know that Jesus Christ came to the earth, he preached the kingdom of God, he died on a cross, and he rose again and ascended into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. He fulfilled exactly what God has spoken. That was his vision for the world. And it says, it say, describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, come on, wait patiently. For it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Come on, sometimes it's a slow process. Anything that has any substance, anything that is healthy and thriving takes time. We live in such a microwave, cookie-cutter world where we live in a place of comparison, and we live in a place where we want to get it now. I want to get rich now. I remember there was a commercial when I was a kid on TV, and it was during the day. Now, a while ago, there was no such thing as streaming services, right? You didn't have Netflix. You didn't have Prime. You didn't have Stan. I mean, there's so many now. It used to be, and you didn't even have cable TV unless you had the money to pay for cable TV. I remember as a kid, we didn't have cable TV. We had the TV that was local channels only, and we had to connect an antenna and put foil on it. Come on. And we had a TV upon a TV at one time. That's when you know you're real redneck. You know, you, you got an old TV as a TV stand for the new TV. You ever heard that before? That was us. But I remember there would be a commercial that would come on TV, and I didn't understand it at the time, but it was, and usually those commercials in the day had a saying or a quote that would stick in your head, and I still remember it to this day, and it would come on, this commercial, and people would be yelling, it's my money, and I want it now, and then it goes to the next person, it's my money, and I want it now, and then it called J.G. Wentworth, 876, cash now. <laughs> I remember that, and I'm like seven or eight years old watching this. But we live in a time where everybody wants it now. It's mine. Give it to me. But th see, the thing about godly vision, he speaks it, but then how the stewarding of that vision is done determines how fast it will come. This is why a lot of times you get a prophetic word and you never, never see it come to pass because you didn't steward it well. You didn't steward it in the stages where it was just birthing. You wanted to see full conception. You wanted to see it come out. You wanted to see it fully grown adult, mature. That's not how vision works. It starts as a seed. It starts as a seed. And as you steward the seed like a farmer stewards a seed, that will determine the growth of that seed and what will be produced from that word. Come on, we know that the word of God is a seed. And today, God has given vision to his church so we cannot come into a place where we get dismayed or feel frustrated because you're not seeing it exactly how you picture it to be, how you know the end goal will be. No, you see it 
according to the word by faith, but then you steward it in the process of wherever you are right now. If that means you be faithful and committed with the small, then you be faithful and committed with the small. Because if you're faithful and committed with the little, well, God will give you much more. We know that in Matthew chapter 25, that there is three types of people that God or that the master gave to them, which was money or talents. He gave one five, one three, and another one. Well, the one that gave, got five, well, we know that he stewarded it really well, and he doubled it. The one that, steward, that got three stewarded it really well, and it doubled. Well, the one that only got one, he didn't steward it all because he was scared of his master. He dug it in the ground. He didn't do anything with it. And the master's like, why weren't you faithful? Why didn't you take care of this? You could have at least done something with it, but he didn't do anything with it. And this is what happens within our life. When fear, frustration gets within us, we don't know how to steward God's vision well. When we are trying to rush God, all God is looking for is someone that will be faithful and committed. Someone that will be faithful and committed right now where you are within your life. Go to Nehemiah 3. Nehemiah 3. We've done chapter 1 and 2. Now we're on 3. Nehemiah 3 is probably one of the most boring chapters if you look at it for face value. Because all it really talks about is the people that built the walls and the gates. There's not really much life principle if you look at it from a surface level. But I have learned to love this chapter and really see the importance of why Nehemiah even put it in this book. Because remember, Nehemiah wrote this book. So Nehemiah 3 must have some importance to be written and to be put in the Word of God, the Bible, and we are reading it today. Amen? It's kind of like First and Second Chronicles. How many people have read that when you did a Bible reading plan? Come on, you're just trying to like, let's go through this. <laughs> right? I had a friend, he's a pastor, and there was the, when you look in Matthew, I believe it's in Matthew, where the names before Jesus, talking about his descendants. I believe it's in Matthew. It could be a little wrong. It might be, it's in one of the Gospels, though. It's in Matthew. And he memorized all the names for a Sunday message. It was one of the coolest things. And it took a long time. I remember he would just be saying the names. And then he'd get up there and he used it, but he gave an importance of where Jesus came from. It was really cool. But we can't see that within God's word, things that are, we say that they're boring. They don't, they don't have anything to do to my life. They don't add value to my life. Everything within the word of God adds value to your life. Everything. If he put it in here, there's a reason it's in there. It's a reason. And he's trying to show you something. And through studying the word of God, through spending time, well, we believe that revelation will come. We believe that God will reveal himself through his word and by his word. Amen? Come on. So Nehemiah 3, I've come to love this. One of the things that we see right from the very beginning is... This chapter is about teamwork. Teamwork. Now, a lot of people don't like that word, especially as we get older. As a child, as a teenager, as a young adult, you probably play team sports. And that was fun. But as you get older, you become secluded into your own life, your own family, and focus on life, your own self. But see, one of the things that's different within the house of God is you're not on your own. You are with a body. And I personally do not think that churches do a great job at being a body. 
I think a lot of times we're still focused on self. We're still focused on the need of our life, which there is some great truths to that, and there's strength in that. But there is also a balance of being not just focused on your life, but also on the lives that God's connected you with. Do you know that the blessing of God upon your life is not just for you and your family alone, but also the people within the body? I'm not saying that you have to go and put money in their account. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a reason why God connects you to a local body. There's a reason why God has set you in a body, like Ephesians 4 says. He will set you in a body, not based on what you want, not based on what you think will be the right place for you, the right fit. No, it's by allowing the God, ultimately the spirit of God, the inward witness, the voice of God to lead you and say, this is where I've called you. Not because of the music, not because of what's going on uh, within any of the programs. I can't tell you how many times I've had people call me, you know, do you have a young adults program? Do you have a singles ministry? Do you have an elder ministry? And I'll answer, like, not yet. We don't have those things yet. They're like, okay. And you never hear from them again. They're looking for something specific, and that is about self-want, self-need, rather than saying, God, where do you want me to go? Because wherever you call me, I'll plant myself. I'll sow my life. I'll sow my gift, my talent, income, everything. I am here, God. Come on. We're building something. We're building something. We've gone through this whole understanding of vision first starts with pursuing God. Pursuing God. If you're not pursuing God yet, vision is going to sit there and wait. If a church is not pursuing God, the vision is going to sit there and wait. And we might miss out on it. The first and foremost thing, or first and foremost thing a church must do, you and me must do, is be people that pursue him. You have to be. We can't allow the natural things to supersede the spiritual things. We can't allow ourselves to be ran and dictated by what we see on the outside that will determine our choices. No, we must allow from within, from a leading of the Spirit of God to determine our choices. What do I mean in that saying? Meaning some people won't get connected or get involved and sit on the sidelines until it gets to a certain place. It's not there yet. So when they have need of me, I'll use my gifts. I'll use the grace that I have upon my life. And the reality is you'll sit there and, be, and you'll never be used. And then you'll go to the next church, to the next church, and you're sitting there, how come God, and then you'll put the blame on God. God, how come you never used me? And he's like, I tried to. You didn't want to be a lowly servant and be walk in humility and do something that was too great of you. You had too much pride. See, the highest person in the body of Christ in the kingdom of God is a servant. Even Jesus said that. I came to serve. If you can't serve, you can't do anything in the kingdom of God. Because anything that you do, anything that you acquire, any increase that you have, it's all by self and pride 
and ultimately, pride will cause a fall. It will lead to your destruction. This is why you see many ministries come to destruction because it's about man. And sometimes it doesn't always start out that way. This is why along the path of ministry, along the path of serving God, you can never allow yourself to get in that place like, I did this. I mean, look at this business I've created. Man, I'm smart. Look at my family. We're so influential. Look at my kids. Come on, there's a godly pride for sure. But I'm talking about a pride that consumes you and ultimately leads you to a place where you said, I really don't even need God. I can do this on my own. We can't get there as a church. Vision starts with pursuing God. Today, the title of the message is Our Part. Our part is work. Our part is work. Say my part. Come on, say my part. Is work. It's work. It takes a body to do God's work. It takes a body to do God's work. God usually will start it within someone's heart. But then that person, as they get the vision within their heart, will begin to spread it, cast it, and put it within other people. This is what we see in the book of Nehemiah. God, through prayer and fasting, prepared Nehemiah for what was next of building the walls. But Nehemiah knew that he was not going to be able to do it on his own. He knew that he had to go to the people and tell them exactly in Nehemiah 2 that the hand of God is upon me. He has given me this And I'm telling you, this is what we need to do. And they, out of their own words, said, let's rise up and build. If you didn't hear that last week message, you need to go back and listen to it. But going on, he now is at the city of Jerusalem. And there are 10 gates that they repaired. Now, we know that there's 12, but specifically in Nehemiah 3, they talk of 10. And we see 42 groups of families and 38 different persons work upon these gates and walls. And they all have a specific job. They all have a specific role, a specific function in building and repairing the walls and gates. This is how God gets vision or his will and purpose done upon the earth. He doesn't do it just through one person. He does it through a body. That comes together and understanding that they have a role and function of working in unity, working together, but with a, with a, for a same cause, with a same goal within their mind and in their heart. They knew that they had to repair the walls. They knew that they had to build a structure, fix the gates. But each family didn't work. On all the gates, they worked on specific gates. Just like God has within the body of Christ, we all have specific roles and functions. There is no one greater. There was no one greater when it came to building the walls. Everybody was at the same equality in the same place. Just like it is in the house of God, there is no one greater. But we all have a specific role. We all have a specific duty that God has called us to walk in. And he has gifted us and graced us to walk in that. And this is where you know, if, did God call me to it? Because if he did, he would grace you and gift you to do it. If there's not a grace upon your life to do it, let me encourage you, don't do it. 
But if you know there's a grace upon your life to do it, then do it. Don't allow that grace and that gift that God's given you to just be washed up and never utilized. Come on. Today, say, I'm graced. I'm gifted. I'm anointed. You are anointed. Now, we see that this vision that Nehemiah brings takes a body of people to fully do what God has called them to do. Nehemiah was given the word. He brought the word to them. They said, let's build. And now they mobilize the people, the nobles, the priests, the workers, the contractors, the construction workers. Let me tell you that the body of Christ is so diversified. We know that even in heaven, it's going to be so much diversity, ages, ethnicity, color, background. My son asked me the other day, kind of a funny question. He said, Dad, how come those people look like that? And we were watching a television show. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, they're darker than us. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, on TV. I was like, oh, you're talking about black people. He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, that's just their skin, son. That's how God made them. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, isn't that cool? He's like, that's amazing. He's just now in his eight-year-old mind starting to understand that. Isn't that amazing? In such innocence, he starts to see that God has made us all different. He didn't make us the same. Come on, how many glad that you don't look like the person to your left, to your right? <laughs> that was just that was be a joke. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But seriously, we're different. And we should embrace that. But we walk together in unity, in one mind, and one heart. There were many different types of people that built the walls and the gates. They weren't all the same. In the first verse of Nehemiah 3, we see a high priest. Let me get my Bible there. In verse 1, Nehemiah 3, there we go. Then Elishab, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. Now, today I was going to kind of go through the, sh- the gates and how they all point to Jesus. I'm not going to do that today. Maybe at some point I will. But through study, seeing the different gates and how they all point to Christ, it's amazing. Let's just say it that way. But they dedicated it. Look at that. They dedicated it and set up his doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hanel. Now, look at this. This whole chapter is about work, how individuals pitched in and worked together, and they were coordinated and led by Nehemiah. The work that is described on the sheep gate that we see, this is where shepherds brought their flocks to sell them. And Elishabib, or, or Elishabib, can you say the name right? The high priest, this was the first worker mentioned. Notice this, a high priest is the first worker mentioned. We know that Jesus is our high priest. And how many of you know that he is the one that is the first person to work upon our lives by giving his life for us? Come on, he is our great high priest today. And Nehemiah starts with the high priest. He understands the high priest and his role and his function, and he gives honor where honor is due. Amen? He was a godly leader. And he was out front in the work leading by example. He did not act as he was too spiritual for the hard work that was ahead. 
I mean, we get some people that have been serving God and say, I'm too spiritual for that. I've been serving God for 20 years. Don't ask me to mop. Don't ask me to clean a toilet. Don't ask me to do anything. I'm here. I've been here for a long time. I'm the biggest tither. I'm, I'm anointed. Now, we don't experience that in this church, thank God. But I have. I've had people in their arrogance and their pride talk like that. And you just look at them and like, man, I feel sorry for them. I love them. But being like that, it's, it's a hard place to be. Because you think everything's owed to you. You could be serving God for 40 years and still be dead and not doing nothing. Now you got a whole bunch of knowledge for what? See, my desire within this church is to see older people mentor and disciple younger people. I think it's needed. Not because you necessarily deserve it or you have the right, because I believe there's a lot of wisdom and it can encourage and help people that are young in the Lord. Amen? And you may feel that within your heart. You may feel a desire to talk and minister and to build up families and marriages and help individuals. Let me help you. That's a good thing to have. But it's going to first start with, you walk, start with you walking in humility and walking with an openness to do even the simple work. Come on, the simple work for that may look like go talk to them. Don't wait for them to come talk to you. Amen? You want to build a relationship? Go talk to somebody. Go talk to them. Get their number. Say, hey, let's go get a coffee. I want to get to know you. I see that you're new to the church. I've been here for a while. Let me love on you. Let me tell you who God is. Let me tell you what God's done in my life by being connected to this church. Come on. That's the work that we do. So we see the high priest, a godly leader. See, if you are a leader today, others are looking at you. If you're a leader today, Others are looking at you, and they will follow your example. Notice the high priest is the first one mentioned, and he's the one working, and they followed after him. We follow today after our high priest, Jesus Christ. Come on, and people will follow you as you follow the Lord. Your children will follow you as you follow the Lord. How many know that to be true today? You want to see your children upright, holy, and righteous before God? Begin to walk like that at home, not just on Sundays. Let them see a godly man, a godly woman that can live within the world that surrounds them in the environment of work, the environment of life, the environment of the world itself to where, man, my mom and dad actually live like that in the week. They actually pray. They actually worship. The way they live is literally what I see them do on Sundays. This is real. There's something real to this. This isn't just a life, or this isn't just something that we go to for two hours. That ultimately when I become 16 or 18, I have a choice if I can go or not, and I'm not going to go. I'm just going to do my own thing. No, I see that I have to be here because my parents see is a necessity of life. It's a necessity. Look what they did. They consecrated it. The idea behind consecration is this, to recognize something as special, uniquely set apart for God's glory and service. This place was unique. It was set apart from the rest of the world. Come on, the city of Jerusalem, these walls, these gates, the temple was set apart for God and for his glory and his service. 
Today, we are uniquely set apart because why? We are holy in Christ. How many know today that you are holy because he is holy? Meaning you are set apart. You are consecrated for his glory and his service through your life to affect the region and affect your family and affect everything around you. Just like his church today. Come on. His church is made holy, consecrated, set apart so that people will see the glory of God within the house, within a church. See, when people here pursue church, the goal and desire that I have is they know that God dwells here. They may be an unbeliever and have no clue about Christianity or Christendom or Christianese or whatever we may call it. Because I guarantee you get around, around an unbeliever and say, oh, glory to God. They'll be like, what? What does that mean? You talk about anointing, they're like, what is anointing? They don't know Christian words. They don't know biblical words. But my desire is for an unbeliever to see that there is something upon you. There is something within your life that is undeniable. They don't know what it is, but they know that it has life around it. It has hope wrapped around it. It has joy wrapped around it. And they got to be around you. They got to be close to you and in that proximity of where you are because they want it. Because they're ultimately their heart is crying out. Now, they don't know yet that it's God that they need to fill the void within their life. But they will through the witness and the testimony of how you live around them. This is why it's so important for Christians to live consecrated and holy and upright and pure before all people on the earth. And you can do this through the wonder-working power of the living God that dwells in you. You're not on your own. Come on. When you're on the job, they know that you're upright and holy. I told a story a while back about a pastor that I served under. That he was just starting out. Selling batteries as a salesman. He was a battery salesman. And he would work with big refineries and things. And he was just starting out. And this pastor, before he was a pastor, was just a salesman. And he went to this business. And he's tried to get a meeting with them multiple times. And he was unable to. Because the boss of this location just didn't want to, just didn't want to talk to him. They already had somebody he wasn't going to be able to give a better quote or better rate. He just basically said, no, nah, it's not for us. We don't need your soliciting, basically. Well, this pastor that told the story was persistent. He wasn't going to be told no. And so he went one day, and it just ended up being the right moment. Come on, how many of you thank God for divine moments? Come on, divine favor. See, he didn't quit. He didn't give up. He knew that he needed to keep going. He went into this place. And he said, hey, can I meet with so-and-so? And she said, look, the secretary said, look, he's really busy. He's like, just go see. She goes in there, and he's like, all right, let him come in. You got five minutes. He comes in, says, you got five minutes. He turns around in his chair and doesn't even acknowledge him. And he says, go ahead and tell me. And this salesman, this pastor, he looks around, and he sees ducks, stuffed geese, this guy was a hunter. And so the salesman said, you like to hunt? The guy turns around real quick. He's like, oh, we're going to talk about hunting. Okay, we're going to talk about my hobby. He says, oh, I love to hunt. He's like, do you hunt too? He's like, oh, yeah. We actually, our company has a deer lease, and uh, we take people all the time to go hunting. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah, you should come down there. And he's like, I would love to. He's like, we actually, 
I go hunting down in Mexico sometimes. And uh, the salesman said, oh, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, man, the mamacitas over there are fine. Everybody know what mamacita means? That means woman. This boss, this man, said these women are hot. They're fine over there in Mexico. And this salesman, who is a man of God, he says, well, I wouldn't know anything about that because I'm married to one woman and I only have eyes for my wife. He kept his purity. He, kept, he could have said, oh, yeah, he could have agreed with it and just went into that trap. But he decided to keep himself pure and holy, even on the job. You know what happened to this man that was sitting, the boss? He said, you know what? I have a wife, too, and she's at home, and I shouldn't be talking like this. Forgive me. He said, you know what? Let's go get some lunch, and I'll take you around the job. So you know what happened? He got his business, and like that, he became a millionaire. A lot can happen when you walk pure and undefiled and holy before the Lord. We see that within Nehemiah's life, where Nehemiah had constant opposition, constant people coming against him. Ultimately, they tried to kill him multiple times. But he kept his heart pure before God, and because of that, God was faithful. God provided. God kept him. What would happen today if you were to remain faithful, holy, and upright before God? Maybe it's just a simple act of obedience for you today. Rather than being something great, maybe it's just a character adjustment walking before the Father when you're around others. When you're alone by yourself, walking in that place of holiness, and God sees your act of obedience and says, you know what? They're ready for the next thing. I can trust them. I can give them what I have purpose for them to do. See, a lot of times the reason why you don't fulfill God's purpose and will for your life is because of character, because of disobedience, and because of how you live. See, he gives you grace to get out of that place. He gives you his spirit to get out of that place. Amen. They consecrated it. Come on, they prayed over the walls. They prayed over the gates. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.